Hello. Good. Okay. Welcome back. How is everybody? Do I seem a little more relaxed than I was last week? Thank you. I might lose battery on the old iPad, so I'm going to have a trusty old Bible up here in case I do. Uh, let's start off with the, uh, with the word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father, we, uh, we come to you tonight, God, and just, um, although um, I don't feel quite as nervous, God, I, I just pray that you um, would still show up in a mighty way, and that me being confident would change your message. I pray that that wouldn't happen. Um, God, I pray that your word um, would go out clear tonight, that your message would go out clear tonight, that we would uh, see that you're a great and awesome and mighty God, creator of all things, and you own all things, and um, you control all things. Um, Sovereign in all things, God. You control it. Um, you own it. And I pray that you would control and own this night tonight. Um, I pray most of all, God, that you, would, um, that you would penetrate hearts and that you would change hearts tonight as you changed mine several years ago um, concerning contentment in this subject of, uh, of finances. Um, and Lord... Um, we pray that we would um, give you the glory for that, and uh, we do now in advance, and we thank you most of all for, for Christ and his wonderful, wonderful work on the cross. Without that, we have, uh, we have no redemption, we have no hope, um, and we have no eternal life, and we love you for that. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, once again, welcome. There's not near as many people here as there was last week, so I'm not sure how to take that. They're home doing their budget, that's right, that's right. Um, okay, let me get my notes squared away. Um, what we're going to do, we, we left off last week essentially with our... With, with Corey and I and, and essentially our financial testimony. So kind of the roadmap of tonight is going to be, uh, we're going to review a bit and we're going to um, talk about, you know, essentially what we talked, you know, the main nuggets of what we learned last week and then we'll move into uh, the book of Proverbs and the book of Romans. We'll, we'll land with the book of Romans. And uh, we'll look at Proverbs 22, just to let you know where we're going, our text tonight. Proverbs 22 and Romans 6. Proverbs 22 talks about um, being slave to the lender. Okay? And then Romans 6 contrasts that with being slaves to righteousness. Okay, so that's where we're going to kind of end tonight. Um, but let's review a little bit. What um, anybody remember the two really profound 
nuggets of wisdom last week. What was wisdom nugget number one? Anybody? Wisdom nugget number one. Right, your budget. Um, you got to know what's coming in and what's going out. And that's called a budget. Okay? That was our first step to biblical contentment uh, financially. Okay, what was, what was wisdom? Well, one second. Just one point there. And that's your responsibility and my responsibility to do that. Okay? That is, that is a response to what we hear these, these, these two weeks. Develop a family budget. Uh, wisdom nugget number two. Anybody write that down? Gosh, you guys, man, I tell you. God owns it all. Well, he does. <laughs> That's <is> good. <laughs> know your, your financial testimony. And what that was, that's where we ended last week. I shared kind of what, what Corey and I went through. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot like your, your salvation testimony. You know, the wins and wheres and how that God, you know, what he did to drag you to himself. You got to know this. I had, I've had some really, really cool phone calls this week. Um, and uh, just people, uh, part of this church... And I spent some time with, with folks, uh, members of the church, over the weekend. And that's what they were doing. They heard this, and they essentially just kind of gave me their, their financial testimony. And it's, it's awesome. Just amazing works that, that God had done. They had nothing to do with funds showing up and God providing for them in miraculous ways. And they testified to it, and they were sharing this with me like it was their salvation, like it was the gospel, because it is. You know, God is rescue, he's rescuing us from our mess, which is where we, which is where we ended last week. Um, so what is contentment? Let's, uh, let's review that right quick. What is contentment? What did we learn last week from Philippians chapter 4? Don't make any notes on what contentment is. Philippians chapter, or Philipp, the whole book of Philippians is really where we were. Uh, chapter one, we we talked about the content believer is one that's been willing used, be, willing to be used by God to change people around him. We also saw that the content believer, also in chapter 1 of Philippians, understands to live as Christ and to die as gain. You have an eternal perspective. The content believer has an eternal perspective. Um, in chapter 2, we learn the content believer is willing to work out his or her salvation with fear and trembling. Your budget is going to take some work. 
and it's going to take work until the day you die. Okay? So it is with your salvation. Um, I think someone said, you know, I asked the question, what does this look like? And someone said, it's, it's to be active. Yes, it's to be active about what we're about with, uh, with Christ. Um, I made the note, don't be stagnant in your salvation. Um, some other thoughts. The content believer will do all things without grumbling or questioning. Um, and I was later uh, informed by my wife that, uh, you know, I just make up words, and I made up a word last week, so, and no one said anything. Um, the content believer is rejoiceful. So, um, so you are rejoiceful if you're content. Not a word. So that's, but that's, it's good. It sounds good. So, um, you're full of rejoicing. Yes. Rejoice, F-U-L. <laughs> um, I made the note, you know, singing when, when no one is looking is good, but how about singing when people are looking? Singing about Christ when people are looking. Um, the content believer understands who you are and you proclaim it. Um, it's out of chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. The key verse of the night was chapter 4, verses uh, <clears throat> 9 through uh, 13. In verses 9, the content believer will see... They will hear, and they will receive, as Paul is describing, from him. And when they do that, they will learn. Um, they will put into practice what he, what God, and what he is telling them to do. He's, they're, they're putting into practice what they've learned. The putting into practice is the evidence of them learning something. You putting a budget together is the evidence of you taking something from tonight. Um, so, Paul, in verses, let's look at uh, Philippians 10. <clears throat> this is the key verse. Philippians, I'm sorry, Philippians 4, verses 10 and 11. This was the key verse. I rejoice in the Lord greatly now, or that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So, Paul learned to be content. And we talked about, because he learned to be content, he knew where he was. He knew where his heart was. And um, 
tonight, you know, that's what we're going to pick up from. Um, last week, I, I, we ended with where Corey and I were in our mess. Um, <clears throat> and I will say that to say that, and I'll say it again, you know, a lot of you might be, statistically you are in a mess based on what um, the Gallup poll um, that I cited um, last week. Um, essentially, a third of us have a, have a budget that we work on, and the rest of us don't. And because we don't have a budget, we don't know where we are. Um, why are we overspending? Because we simply don't know where we are financially. Um, uh, Corey, go ahead and, and put up. I want to, so what I'm going to, I'm going to show you our trash. That Corey, not, not you. Um, oh, and I forgot my pointer. Is the pointer right there? Okay, so real quickly, so um, do not copy all of our usernames and passwords, please. Um, okay, so this is where we were. So $2,800 a month. Um, this is what I thought you know, a budget should look like. And I was just kind of guessing. If you don't know what one looks like, remember, what's coming in, total that. And then what's going out, total that. And the difference is your budget. So we have, we have an auto loan. We have an auto, we have the total loan here. We have the payment here. We have the account number, phone number, everything that's listed when it's due, um, school loans we had, credit cards, and when we moved into Caddo, you heard the testimony last week, when we moved into Caddo, we were $227 in the hole every month. And Corey reminded me of a good point. We, um, I'm in sales. Um, up to that point, we had never received a quarterly bonus consistently. And so this was going to be erased by, you see, quarterly bonus, <laughs> zero. So that's what we're praying for. I mean, God had to provide. Um, now, I, like I said, I've, I've had a few phone calls about, about budget and working through your budget. And one of them was, okay, what if, what if the wife does it? What if what if the husband does it? Either way, um, some curriculum I went through called Men's Fraternity uh, really established for me that as a man, if you're keeping the budget, what this is over here, account number, phone number, payment method, username, password, date, the amount, if I die, Corey knows exactly where we are. And how to get to it. So she's at peace because she has some direction here. Okay? But this is what I wanted to show you. We were $227. Now, uh, put up the other one, Corey. 
Um, this is this is uh, our new one, and this is this is not our monthly income, but I, it's I put three thousand dollars there. But what we've done now to to magnify where we are is I've computed exactly the percentage of income each one of these expenses tallies to. So if you want to know, okay, um, what Netflix <laughs> is 0.29% of our income. Um, so it really lets you know where you are, okay? Why are we overspending? Because we don't know where we are. This plainly puts it in front of you, okay? And you're looking at this three or four times a month. If you want this, just let me know. I'll send it to you, okay? Okay, you can take that down. Okay, enough about um, spreadsheets. Um, yes. Yeah, and, I, and I'll testify to that. So, and, and you know, and, I, and, and we're not saying that he's going to do this, but I'll, I'll testify to, to his glory. We lost a really good income when we said, she's coming, she's staying home. And you saw what we were making. He replaced Corey's income in 16 months. Totally replaced it. And we had nothing but just praise and, and glory for that. So, um, he will provide. And, and that's kind of the message there. So, where are we going tonight? Um, in the contrast to, to not having funds, um, and in the fact that you're in a mess, you know, when you if you if you go through your budget, which which I've had, you know, some friends call and say, well, yeah, um, I think the funds are there. I just don't have a budget. They're not in a mess in the fact that they can't pay for things. They just don't know where the money is, which is just as bad. So. If you have a surplus, the challenge over the next two weeks as well is not only are you caring for what is not yours, because it is the Lord's, but also what are you doing with what you have left over? Okay? Um, and my prayer is that you would consider praying over the surplus and then just get ready because he'll show you what to do with it. And I promise you this, if you don't do anything with it, you'll spend it. Every time. You will spend it. Trust me. So, develop a financial testimony. Develop a budget. And once again, you might be thinking, why? You know, why are we doing this? This is a lot of work. And because there's much to be made of God and not you. And when you begin to describe him dragging you through financial, dragging you to financial freedom, 
And if you're there, you know and understand this dragging reference. You will return to being a slave to righteousness and a slave to Christ and not a slave to your lender and to your sin. So turn with me to our text tonight, Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. If you haven't um, read completely through Proverbs before in a month, I highly recommend doing that. It's really, really cool. You just read a proverb a day, uh, every morning. And uh, I was sharing with Scott Sutton one time. There are, there are so many references to insight and wisdom. Insight and wisdom. Insight and wisdom. If you want to know where you are, it's, or if you don't know where you are and you need insight and wisdom, reading and praying through Proverbs uh, is highly encouraged. So let's start with... Uh, Chapter 22, we're just going to read down through verse 7, which is our our key verse. Verse 1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. The rich and poor meet together, and the Lord is the maker of them all. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave the lender so let's look at verse 4 if you had had listened to the last uh, few sermons that Jeff had preached and Jeff if you don't mind if you you want to interject you can but I called Jeff about this verse um, and the point here is because it looks like that riches and honor um, are coming to us. And that's not the point of the verse. So please, please do not see riches in this verse. What we need to see is with humility and fear of the Lord comes reward. Do y'all see that? Anything to add there, Jeff? You know, Jeff said uh, something, I I wrote it down, it's not in my notes, but I wrote it down in my notes um, from the sermon. Um, God's, something about God's favor. Wealth is no mark of God's favor. I love that. Write that down, remember that. Verse 6, did anybody's ears go up when they heard verse 6 or read verse 6? Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. 
That's one of the first verses we memorized. And um, in specific relation to the night, who is training their child in finances? Okay. Who is, uh, with teenagers, leaving, leaving the house soon? Um, this is the checkbook. This is a bank account. This is what's coming in, and this is what's going out. Who is training their child in the way they should go? I didn't have that. Didn't have it. Um, it it's, it's tough to expect the future church to give joyfully when they leave the house not knowing where they are or where their heart should be. Uh, and then verse 7. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave of the lender. So let's define what slave is. Today, Webster's would define a slave as one that is completely subservient to a dominating influence. Anything you've uh, put on credit lately that uh, you feel like is dominating you? <laughs> um, I'm going to sound really smart here. The transitive verb of this, I have no idea what that means. Uh, is to make directly responsive to another mechanism or to enslave. And that's really where this, the context of this verb, this verb in, in, the, uh, in the verse. But what does this look like in our context today? This slave, anybody? What does it look like to be a slave the lender. Good. Good. All those things. And you know, just about everything that you said is in is in the book of Philippians. Especially the worry thing. Do not be anxious about anything. Um, and then he goes on to talk about content. Content, being content. I've learned to be content. Anybody else? Controls. That's right. Controls your decisions. Dominating influence. What else? Hey, Jerry. Yes. Yep. Good. I wanted to look it up, but I didn't. But I've heard this. 
So don't take it as truth. Your finances, there's a direct correlation between your physical fitness and your finances. Usually those that are fit are financially stable. So I'm glad you said that. What else? This, what does it mean to be enslaved to your lender? Oh, good. Y'all, there is no greater joy than to be able to give. Just give. Um, someone called me that had heard the first... Um, Last week's lesson, and uh, said that they were able to give because they had a budget that they normally weren't able to give before. And it's just so, there's so much joy in being able to give and give joyfully above and beyond your tithe. So um, consider this, you've been challenged over over the last few weeks to tithe and to give above the tithe. But you can't because you're enslaved to your lenders. And please know that I speak about these things with passion because we were there. I was there. We were there as a couple. We were there as a family. I was there as a shepherd. Um, slave to the lender. In, in biblical times, the slave was, um, was defined as a servant. Much what, I mean, kind of like what we would refer to today. And at times, one-third of the population were slaves. So, they were somewhat common, and this language would really resonate well with those that were hearing it. I think for our context, there's a lot of slaves to lenders all around us, and so this should, this should really, I think, hit home to most of us. The word lender uh, defined defined today as um, a private or public institution which makes funds available to others to borrow with the expectation that the borrower will pay back those funds with interest. Pretty straightforward. Interestingly enough, then in the Old Testament, um, but as it is today, the lender was known as a creditor or a lender of money. But the ideal social system in the Old Testament, the debts were incurred only because of poverty, usually. And the law, in some ways, protected the debtor from his creditor. Exodus 22:25 explains that the lender was forbidden to charge interest to the poor. 
thought that was interesting. So you're a slave to the lender, as we see in Proverbs 22.7. Or contrast that with Romans 6. Turn to Romans 6. Start in verse 15. Read down through verse 23. So we're contrasting slave to the lender. Verse 15 reads, What then are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves. You are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time of the things of which you were now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin... Having become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification. And it's in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So just from a context perspective, I'm going to jump up to chapter 5 and just kind of talk about where, where, this, where this person is. In chapter 5, in verse 1, we've been justified by our faith. So we're leading up to, to, this, to this context of being a slave to righteousness. So verse 1 in chapter 5, we've been justified by our faith. Verse 2, through Christ we have access to his grace. Verse 5 in chapter 5, God's love has been poured out into us through his Holy Spirit which convicts and comforts and reveals truth in, in verse, verse 8 of chapter 5 while we were still sinners in the middle of our stench in the middle of our mess Christ died for us verse 11 and now we're reconciled, reconciled to God through Christ. How? By one man's disobedience in Adam. Many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience in Christ, the many will be made righteous. So let's now look again at, 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 at our verse in chapter 6.
Now, I'm not going to unpack these verse like we did in, in, in chapter 5. The text is really, really clear. And Paul is, is, is very clear in his words. What then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. So this is where you are. If we're a slave to sin, we don't know why we overspend. Because we simply don't know where we are. If you're a slave to righteousness, then we'll see later that there's content because you've learned to know where you are and where your heart is. Look at verse 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart, from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you've become, once again, you've become slaves to righteousness. So there's a contrast between being a slave to the lender, sin, and now you're a slave to righteousness. Also read verse 19. Um, he says it again in a different way. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you've once presented your members as slaves to impurity, to lawlessness... Leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members to slaves to righteousness. Leading to sanctification. So in other words, once you're a slave to sin and false contentment. Which led to more false contentment. I was talking to Morris Bean about this. And um, he said, you know, he thought about. The ones that we know that never have enough. So you want more. And then it's not enough again. And you want more. And it's not enough again. Lawlessness leads to lawlessness. False contentment leads to more false contentment. But now we're slaves to righteousness. Which leads to what? Which leads to what? More righteousness. Good. But the text says sanctification. So are you a slave to your sin or slave to righteousness? Not knowing where you are is simply being irresponsible. Why would you not want to know where you are? Paul knew and he learned where he was regardless of the affliction and he was content. We should be slaves to righteousness which leads, leads to slaves or being a, 
which leads to sanctification, excuse me, and not slaves to lenders. I'm saying slaves way too much. Sorry. So, do not underestimate the effects of developing a budget and a financial testimony. Go ahead. Right. Right. You don't want to look at the credit card bill. You know it's there. It's that fear of um, what it's going to do when you see the bill is it's going to show you right where you are. That's what it's going to do. It's going to reveal the truth. No one likes to be exposed. Until you're content. When you're content, who cares? I, I don't care anymore. I really don't. And it's just, it's just a great feeling, if you will. So do not underestimate the effects of your budget or your financial testimony about what God did to drag you out of or what he's dragging you through right now to move you to this place of contentment. There are slaves to lenders all around you. So go and testify to the truth of what God has done for you financially and share it. It's the gospel. And as Ben and Jeff have said over the few weeks, there's, when you're not worshiping the Lord with your finances, just get ready. They will never be right. He won't allow it. A believer without a budget is a believer in discontent. Because he simply, he or she, simply does not know where does not know and or has not learned how to position their heart. And listen, if you're not in God's word on a regular basis and resting in Christ and in his word, do not expect change in your finances. And do not expect change in your, in your contentment. Um, I'll leave you with this. This verse has meant more to me because it's so visual about this very thing. Turn to Hebrews 4. Verse 11. So we'll end with this. Hebrews 4, verse 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged 
sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. God's word will tell you every single time where your heart is. When you encounter a double-edged sword on a regular basis, it will be bloody. So my encouragement is to stay in his ever-illuminating word. Your contentment will surely grow. And hopefully God will use his spirit through his word to shed light on the position of your heart. Okay? And once again, if you, if you need these or want these spreadsheets, you, you can certainly have them. I'll send them to you and they'll be blank. And you can fill in your numbers and it self-computes for you. Um, and I, and I, and I uh, would be making a, making a mistake tonight if I left and said if you, if you wanted help and needed help, I'd just ask you to, to, to contact a, a deacon or your life group shepherd. Um, and get serious about this um, because it's an act of worship. Uh, so with that, let's pray. Father, thank you for... We thank you for your living and active and very, very sharp word. Um, and God, I pray that it divides to soul and spirit and joint and marrow. And God, that you would use it tonight to discern the intentions and the thoughts of our heart. Um, Lord, I pray the, the ones that, um, as Jerry was saying, that they're, they're, they're fearing this being exposed. God, that you would remove that fear and that they would move forward with making changes in their finances and ultimately, God, in their contentment. Um, and that they would um, that they would speak up and talk to someone. I pray that they would do that tonight. If that is your will, God, we love you and we uh, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for um, we thank you for Christ, who is the King of Contentment. God, I pray that we would we would not miss that that He is. He is contentment. He is rest. And I pray most of all that we would find um, our joy and, and satisfaction in him. We love you, Lord. We give all this to you uh, for your praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.